0: You know, there's a part of me that hears this gospel and has a sort of imagined vision of it depicted cinematically. You know, with a John Williams soundtrack playing in the background, and uh, Steven Spielberg probably directing, maybe J.J. Abrams, you know, in 3D. And you had this sense of the power of light arrayed over and against the powers of darkness and this great cosmic battle being fought out here in the wilderness. And of course, then, we are all just glorious spectators, right? Paying admission, looking in on this path, this this journey of the Son of God. But in fact, that gets us off on precisely the wrong foot to begin Lent and is probably not at all Luke's intention when this was put to paper almost 2000 years ago because there is a deeper sense here that this is not just the divine powers over and against the powers of darkness but if we rewind just a few short weeks you remember what we learn again and again at christmas time and that is the incarnation God has come to us in this child who has now grown into a man. And it is not just the Son of God over and against the devil in this story, but it is the foundational temptations of each and every one of us. Temptations that God in Christ knows intimately. The first temptation sounds like magic, doesn't it? Turn this stone to a loaf of bread. And Jesus refuses, perhaps for a couple of reasons. One of them is that he must live into the limitation of being human if this whole thing about the incarnation is going to work at all for we are all limited by what we can do. But more deeply than that, there is a sense in which Jesus is rejecting the temptation in each of us to make an exception for ourselves. Well, maybe just this once, I'll work some divine magic and turn the stone into a loaf of bread Maybe just this once, I will take something I am hungry for or want for myself. For myself, even though others may not be able to get it. Just this once, maybe I will allow myself to be a little bit greedy and take more than others have. Consider for a moment the magic of our current food system. I got up this morning, got yogurt out of the refrigerator, and put blueberries on it from Chile. Mm -hmm. Think about that. Think about the magic of bringing fresh fruits all the way from the other side of the world and how magical that would have seemed to people in the first century who knew hunger for the most part as a regular occurrence weekly, if not daily. Think about the abundance of food that we have. And Think about the great scandal that even today hundreds of millions of people will be hungry in the world. Then you begin to understand this temptation that Jesus is confronted with. Do we work our capitalist magic, and bring abundance to ourselves while others go hungry? This Lent, what would it mean to set aside at least one of our desires? And instead of giving into it, resist and learn what it means to not have what we want be in solidarity with those who struggle each and every day for their basic needs. And in that fast, we learn deep compassion for their experience. The second temptation for Jesus is the same one we all experience when it comes to matters of power. We all believe fundamentally here, that we are entitled to have some control over our own space, control over our own relationships, control over the world around us, but we also know what that can lead to. It is an insatiable desire, this desire for control and power. We always want more for being honest with ourselves. And that, of course, is the narrative that has dominated the planet since long before Jesus was in the wilderness in this story, since even before recorded history began. The quest for power is a fundamental human temptation, and it distorts the human family and brings about great suffering, no matter where it happens or where you look. Jesus would have been tempted to be a king. A king that would have been recognized by his kinsfolk. A king that would have an army perhaps behind him. Would have a political agenda to fulfill. And once it was fulfilled or the king was defeated, he would go back to the earth as all kings have and would become a footnote in history. Quest for power is ubiquitous. It is part of the human mission. And it is one that we give into all the time unless we are willing to step back from that as a Lenten discipline and recognize our true selves with humility. That we are vulnerable. We are vulnerable to one another in relationship. We are vulnerable to the environment around us. We are vulnerable to the forces of nature over which we still have very little control. And in that humanity, humility rather, to become our true human selves, rely on the grace of God and worship the true God rather than the God of power the world so often turns to. Now, the devil, as depicted in Scripture, is rather clever. And if you look at the text, you notice that the devil catches on to the game by the third temptation. Jesus has been quoting Scripture to him, so the devil turns the tables and decides to quote Scripture right back. And instead of Jesus' one verse, the devil quotes two verses. It's always a game of one-upmanship, right? This is the game that the world plays. It's a warning to us in how we use Scripture. Scripture does not speak for itself. It is always coming out to us in a context. And how we use it matters as much as what we use when it comes to scriptural verses. It's somewhat unnerving, but even more unnerving is the temptation that comes with it. Jesus is led to the pinnacle of the temple, the height, if you will, of the center of his world, the world of Judaism of his period, the place where the Culture has its most fundamental identity. And Jesus is invited to throw himself off to prove, to prove that he is loved by God. And in this temptation the devil touches that part in all of us that wants to be esteemed and loved by others. For we all want that. We covet that. We covet the respect of others. We covet the sense that we are loved and cherished by someone, somewhere, somehow. And we will go to great lengths to receive that whether it is by trying to help others or manipulate others or even dominate others, so that we have a sense that we matter to them. Jesus rejects that propensity in us towards narcissism. And he embraces something that we rarely think about in our tradition but it's worth noting this Lent, and that is that there is no empirical evidence that God loves us. Let me say that again. There is no empirical evidence that God loves us. Think about it for a moment. We are all vulnerable to a capricious universe and a society where things could head south at any moment. We are vulnerable to disease. We all have experienced suffering We know this. Rather, to say that God loves us is to take up a radical article of faith. To assert and believe something so much that it changes who we are and how we behave in the world. Jesus embraces that in this moment. recognizing that our love is not measured by how much people esteem us, how much people care about us, but love is measured rather by what we give to others, how much we offer ourselves in love to one another. Think about that, this Valentine. Your love is not measured by how much people love you, by how much you love others. And that is the Christian measurement, the measurement that gets us outside of ourselves and our narcissistic tendencies and helps us to embrace the power of God at work in our midst. What disciplines will you take up this Lent to address these fundamental temptations with which all of us are confronted? Will you be willing to embrace hunger long enough to learn solidarity with those in need? Will you eschew power for the sake of being real? Will you learn to love without expecting love's return? And in doing so, walk the path that our Savior has set. Or visit us online at oursaviornv.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-N-V for Mill Valley dot O-R-G. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon.